message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So in case you're wondering why the gazebo is up this morning when it's not raining, it's because I came in wearing my sun hat and uh, certain members of the production team went, nope, nope. And so I was like, well, it's going to be hat or gazebo. And they, went, they all went in unison, gazebo. So that's why it's up, even though, it, even though it's not, it doesn't need an amen, okay. No, I would get I would get shot if I modelled the hat by more than members of the production team. So uh, let's let's move on. But I trust you're enjoying the uh, the sunshine today. It's so good, isn't it, to be together and good in in this weather. And uh, last week, if you were with us, we um, looked at the first part of James chapter one. And if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to James chapter one, we're going to finish. Uh, that chapter off this morning. So we kicked off our new series. We've, I've been feeling for a while I wanted to preach out of James, and so we started that last week. And uh, we ended, didn't we, last week with a recap of three great promises that James 1 talks about. If you persevere under trial, God promises you the crown of life. It's a good promise, isn't it? Anyone like that one? Some of you like that one. How about this one? If you need wisdom, God promises you wisdom if you ask for it. Anybody like that one? Yes, more of you like that one. And the third one, when you find yourself tempted, not if, but when you find yourself tempted, God promises you a way out. Hallelujah. Another great promise from God's word there. So this morning we're going to continue in James 1 and finish off uh, the first chapter. So we'll start reading at verse 19. If you've got an old school printed version, I can see one or two of those out there. Or uh, you've got it on your phone, that's where we're, we're heading. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and, humble, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word, and we 
pray now that in these moments together that, God, you would come and be our teacher. We pray that we would be not just hearers of the word this morning, but doers also. So we pray, give us hearts to hear what you have for us now, please, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So to start with, then, James tells his readers that they should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick, slow, slow is my heading. A bit like a dance step gone wrong, isn't it, really? But this is quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, we said last week that James's letter is intensely practical. It's down to earth. It gives you wisdom for life, how to live in a godly way. And this is another great example of these instructions that James is giving us. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I think if I'm looking at myself, I think I'm, I think I'm slow to become angry but I definitely need to slow down on the speaking front. I think that's where I need to to grow. I wonder where do you need to grow this morning as you hear this? You know, it's so easy, isn't it, to jump in with your thoughts and opinions before really listening to what the other person is saying or even listening to what God might be saying. Much better that we listen first and then be slow to speak. Listening to others and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit before we open our mouths. That's some good advice there, isn't it, that James is, is giving us. And he goes on to instructing us to get rid of sin. Any sin that's in our life, get rid of it, he says. Or as he puts it, get rid of all moral filth. I like how another translation of the Bible puts it, the New Century verse, and says this. It says, so put out of your life every evil thing and every kind of wrong. Then in gentleness, accept God's teaching that is planted in your hearts, which can save you. Get rid of every kind of wrong. That's a great way of putting it, isn't it? Don't tolerate it. Don't allow it to be around. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Maybe you remember what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out of us and marked out for us. The biblical instruction here is really clear, isn't it? To, to get rid of sin, not allow it any place in our lives. It hinders, it entangles, it it draws us away from God. So, so get it out of your life. I once heard it said some years ago that sin takes you further than you wanted to go, costs you more than you wanted to pay, and keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. It's good, isn't it? Wish I'd come up with it. I didn't, but I, I heard it said, sin takes you further than you wanted to go, costs you more than you wanted to pay and keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. So get rid of it out of your life. Peter puts it like this in his letter in 1 Peter 5. He says, be alert 
and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. And just like we said last week, it is possible to resist temptation. It really is. Pray. Run to God. Run away from sin. Get accountable to others. Resist the devil. You don't have to give in. That's the good news of this morning. The good news from the Bible is you don't have to give in. You don't have to feel like you failed. There is another way. And this morning, if you know you have failed, if you know you have fallen, if you know you have gone away from God and what he wants in your life and from following him, then, dear friends, whether you're here in person on this glorious field or whether you're watching online, this morning I want to call you to repent. Come back to God. Confess your sin. Bring it to him. Receive God's grace and his forgiveness. And then you can go again. It's good news, isn't it? It's good news of the gospel. It's wonderful, isn't it? Amen? So James goes on. We're going to go at some pace here. Um, it says, don't just listen to the word of God, but do it. I reckon this is one of the, perhaps the biggest issues facing Christians today. Now, that's a controversial statement. I've said it now. I think this is one of the biggest issues facing Christians today. You might not have it on your list of big issues, but if you look at the whole church across the whole world, I think it's right up there. It's this. Christians that hear the word of God, but don't do it. Now, I'm sure this doesn't apply to any of you here this morning. But I think this is a big issue. Christians that hear the word of God, but don't do it. You know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, think for a moment, maybe how many sermons have you heard? I mean, some of you have been, been Christians for quite a while. Looking around this morning, some of you have been Christians for a really long while. That was Sandeep's line from earlier. I, st I, st I stole it. <laughs> and some of you just a really short length of time. But listen, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, think about how many sermons you've heard. Maybe you've been in church, I don't know, 40 or 50 Sundays a year. Let's say 50. It's easier to multiply that number. Multiply that by the number of years that you've perhaps been a Christian. How many sermons have you heard? And second question is, are you putting into practice all that you've heard? Now, I've been a Christian a long time. I know it doesn't look like it. I know I'm not old. I don't look old enough to have been a Christian for any great length of time. But it's true, I have. Quite a long time. And I reckon I've heard, I don't know, thousands of sermons. You know, I, I think I multiply how many times I've been in, been in church on a Sunday now, I've heard other podcasts or been at conferences or other things. I think, how many sermons have I heard? 
Hey, it's got to be thousands. It's got to be up there in the thousands. So what about me? Am I putting into practice everything I've heard taught from God's word? What about you? Are you putting into practice everything you've heard taught from God's word? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, says James. Do what it says. Do what it says. Now, now friends, listen, I don't say this to condemn us. I'm, I'm in the same category as you are, okay? Many of us have heard hundreds or thousands of preachers over our Christian life. Are we, have we responded well to everyone? Are, are we doing all we've heard? Am I? Are you? James's instruction is pretty clear, isn't it? There's, there's no wriggle room here. There's no sort of easy gets out we can look for in the translation. We can't say, oh, it doesn't really mean that. It, it, it does mean that. Don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. So am I really loving my neighbour as myself? Am I always putting God first? Am I always serving the poor? Am I always looking out for the vulnerable and downtrodden? Am I always witnessing to those around me? Am I always looking to pray for the sick at every opportunity? They're just my, that's just my list. <laughs> I wonder what your list might be. And for all of us this morning, the challenge here is not just to hear God's word, but to do it. And I'll be honest with you, when I was preparing this, this in the last uh, few weeks, I found this more challenging than I expected to. Those, those of you who have ever prepared a Bible study or a, a preach, you know the feeling, don't you? You're sitting there studying for others and then God just convicts your heart. You think, oh, Lord, I need to grow in this. And as I know I need to grow in it, I suspect that all of us need to grow in it. Would you agree? So it's not condemnation this morning, but I pray a gentle nudge of the Spirit and a challenge here for us. James goes on to keep telling us to keep a rein on our tongue. Now that could be a whole preaching itself, couldn't it? A whole series even. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Ouch. It's easy to say something quickly, isn't it, without engaging brain first. Please tell me that's not just me. But so often we do. So often we do, don't we? And you know what? When I do that and end up saying something stupid or help or hurtful or not well thought through, do you know who's most likely to be on the receiving end of that? Probably it's those that are closest to me. Because I'm most relaxed. I'm not carefully filtering what I say. I end up hurting those that I love the most. I suspect it's true for many of us. We need to keep a tight rein on our tongue. Ask God to help us with it. This is an area you struggle with. Ask God to help you. His grace is sufficient. Do you believe that this morning? His grace is sufficient. And then James asks the question here. He says, he talks about what is true religion? He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What's true religion? Is it devout worship? Is it regular reading of God's word? Is it daily prayer? All those things are good. But what James says is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress. Now, before we get into what it does mean, really quickly, this is what it doesn't mean. We can too often think, oh, that means, therefore, that the church should run some projects looking after orphans and widows. And we sort of, if you like, don't, uh, don't assume any personal responsibility. We think, oh, that means the church should do this. And we sort of like subcontract it out to the church for them to all look after orphans and widows in their distress. And we think, oh, the church should do it. Anybody here this morning know who the church is? It's us, isn't it? Thank you, T. <laughs> it's us. We are the church. We are God's church. Now, yes, the church might run a project looking after the poor or, or vulnerable, and that's not a bad thing. But it's not just about that. I was in a meeting this week with my friend Natalie Williams, who's the chief executive of Jubilee Plus, a charity which exists to equip churches to engage more effectively with their communities, and particularly to help increase their capacity in serving the poor. She said this in the meeting I was in. She said, social action isn't just a department of church. It's central to the gospel. Social action isn't just a department of church. It's central to the gospel. Absolutely central to it. And as we begin to emerge out of lockdown, I want to suggest to us, friends, that it will become even more central, even more important for us, both as individuals and collectively as a church family as well. Time again throughout Scripture, you see it almost on every page. God has a bias towards the poor, the vulnerable, the marginalised, the downtrodden, the outcast. Again and again we see it, and we see it here in James 1. Remember, in New Testament times, there's no social welfare system, no government strategy to look after those in need. Orphans and widows were two groups of people that were particularly vulnerable. If we wanted to translate it into a 21st century Western context, we would probably say to look after those who are vulnerable, to look after the vulnerable, both adults and children. Your widows wouldn't necessarily have been old, but they may well have been. And in our society, even today, we often forget the older people, don't we? How many times have we heard on our television screens in the last 18 months or so reports about those who are lonely and isolated and so often elderly? We're not always great as a society is with caring for those who are older. And you know what? If God grants us the years, we'll all get old. That's coming to all of us. Some of us sooner than others. I wonder if we should invest in some ministry and care to older people. One way we've been able to do this as a family recently is with our elderly neighbour who sadly lost his wife last year. 
And we've been able to take him a meal around once or twice a week and just to serve him and, and love him with that. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Just cooking a little extra and dishing up an extra plate and taking it next door. You know, it comes back an hour later, happy smile on his face, plate clean, well fed. Just looking after those who are a bit older. What a great blessing to him. And also, but friends, how easy to do. Doesn't require a lot of organisation. There's no rotor. Hallelujah. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> it's just loving someone. Real easy, real practical. And what the Bible describes as orphans, we could perhaps describe as children who are vulnerable. That may well be children who have got parents, but perhaps they're not in any position to lovingly care for them and keep them safe. And many of you would know this is an area that Sarah and I feel particularly passionate about. God calls us, commands us even, to care for the vulnerable, the broken, the outcast, the orphan. And this is not something we can read and think, oh, that doesn't apply to us, it just applies to them. No, no, no. This applies to all of us. Now, I do recognise that fostering, which is what we're involved with, as I know some of others of you are who are here with us this morning, I know that isn't for everybody. However, the issue is not about what you can't do. The issue is what you can do. So how will you respond to this command to look after orphans and widows this morning? I wonder what your response is. So for us, we've responded by fostering. Others of you have responded similarly. But what's your response to that this morning? Another way of responding might be to get involved with Safe Families, a great organisation which works with families that need additional support and help in order to prevent children going into care. It's like a preemptive measure. Another way of responding, and this really is for all of us, would be to offer help and support to those who are at the front line on this. Now, I struggled preparing this this week because I felt like this is what the scripture says. But if I preach what I really feel and what I sense God's saying, it feels like I'm promoting us. And I had to wrestle with that this week. And when I initially planned out the series, I thought I'm not going to dwell on that. But as I came to pray and think and prepare and write, it's like God said you can't miss it. So I haven't often talked like this, but this morning I'm going to. Because it's what God's word says. And it's not about helping us, it's about being obedient to the word of God. Is that okay? It's about being obedient to God's word and helping, serving, loving those who are indeed vulnerable and in need. So here are some things that fostering families may find useful. And those of you who are foster here this morning, you might agree with this list, indeed may add some other things on. But here's some things that I think almost any of us could do to help, love, serve, support those who are on the front line in these things. Babysitting. Hallelujah. Donating clothes or toys. And not just old cast-offs that are broken and in bits. 
but some good stuff for kids that don't have any good stuff. Praying and standing with carers. Encouraging them. It's often tough. It really is. Helping with household chores. Giving time to other kids in the family. Providing meals. You know what? When a family in the church has a new baby, we're great, aren't we, at providing meals for that, that family? You know, they've had you know, eight or nine months to prepare, think and plan for their new arrival. Foster carers often get a few hours' notice. I think our last one was three hours' notice till the baby turned up. I wonder, is that maybe something we could serve one another in? And to be clear, just in case you think I'm moaning, I'm not, to be clear, we are very grateful for the love and support that we have received from you as a church family. I know others of you here who are foster carers this morning, I'm looking at you, are equally nodding and would agree also that you're so grateful for the love and support and care that you've received also. You've made a real difference. I want to encourage you, it does make a real difference to serve and love people in that way. At the prayer meeting this week, I was reminded about how God spoke to us about this area of ministry some years ago. In May 2015, a prophetic ministry team came to Jubilee to serve and encourage us and minister to us over a weekend. Juliet, one of the team, said this to us as a church family. Listen to what she said. This is so important. She says, I feel God saying that you will draw people from the highways and the byways. I believe God's saying there'll be a uniqueness about your church and the diversity, not only in generations, but also the diversity of what your church looks like. I believe God will send you the CEOs, but also the most broken and the most hurting, the most misunderstood and most downtrodden. And I believe he would say to you, go into the highways and byways. Go into the highways and byways. And she goes on. This is May 2015, okay? She says this. I saw you becoming a church that was very big in compassion ministries. I saw you also becoming, in the years to come, I, I saw you working with the local council in areas of fostering and adoption. At this point in May 2015, Sarah and I had been approved as foster carers for a sum total of two weeks. We had not yet even looked after any children. We had just recently been approved. I'm not even sure we'd had the letter yet. You know, right at the very, very beginning. We were certainly not in any way, shape or form, either individually or together, or as, as, as a church rather, working with the council. Now, in the, this is in the years to come. Remember her word? In the years to come. Now, we and two other families in our Jubilee and Burton Family Church, church family, are approved foster carers and all have children with us currently. A couple of weeks ago, Sarah and I got invited onto Radio Derby to talk about fostering and the urgent need for more carers in our city. Chris and Laura are involved in speaking at fostering recruitment events for Staffordshire. 
I work with a recruitment team in Derby and are regularly speaking at fostering recruitment teams, fostering recruitment events for them. On Monday, Sarah and I spoke at a training session for new carers going through the approval process of becoming foster carers. Later in the week, I had a call with a senior director from the council regarding fostering in the city. Sarah and I recently met with the head of fostering for Derby City Council to talk about some of the issues uh, around that subject for us as a city and the children involved. As a church, we've provided the fostering baby bags. Do you remember those? Giving initial supplies of milk and nappies and clothes uh, for children coming into care who have nothing. And so often they do have nothing. We put a little gift in there for foster carers as well to bless them. I'm telling you, social workers still talk about those. It still blesses people even today. In February last year, we bought new toys and furnishings as a church for the contact rooms, one of the contact centres in the city, where birth families get to meet the children uh, that are now in care. We spent an evening, some of you were there, decorating those rooms, kitting them out, transforming them in order to bless and serve and love vulnerable children. Jubilee is leading an initiative now with churches across Derby, looking at encouraging fostering and supporting foster carers in our churches. And listen, as I was sitting at my desk writing this this week, an email came in and I got asked if I'd be a part of an interview panel for a new member of staff for the fostering team. Sarah Lee has recently started volunteering with Safe Families and we've got some ongoing conversations with Safe Families to talk about what it might mean to partner with them as a church. That's just the list to date. I don't think for one moment that that's it. I do think there is more to come. But don't you think that's amazing? Since 2015, when Juliet said, I saw you doing this in the years to come, and we're thinking, well, I don't know, well, let's just see. Now, all that is happening today. Isn't that good? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that amazing? God knew. We didn't know, but God knew. God knew, and he spoke over us. Now, just for the sake of honesty and transparency here, as far as we're concerned as a family, it's really Sarah, Sarah that's the hero here, okay? She's the one who can settle screaming babies. <laughs> she's the one that cuddles them like she is now. She's the one who takes babies with drawing off all sorts of substances and sits and cuddles and brings them through it. She does it. I, I just talk about it and occasionally do something useful. But listen... What did Juliet say? In the years to come, I saw you working with the local council in areas of fostering and adoption. Friends, this is an area of ministry that God has spoken about. The only question, I think, for us is, how do we play our part? I recognise that not all of us are called to, to be foster carers ourselves, but I do believe we can all play a part and all be a part of this ministry to this group of people maybe you can't foster but maybe you certainly can pray 
love, support, encourage, bless, cook, iron, throw that one in, <laughs> babysit, serve. I wonder what's God saying to you. Like I said, as we finish, when I planned out the series, I hadn't intended to focus on this verse because I felt, oh, I just feels like we're pushing ourselves. I didn't want to do that. But as I looked at it, and again, was so challenged at the prayer meeting this week, which was a great prayer meeting, wasn't it? Tim, you led it so well, my friend. God spoke to us and it came up again. It's like, wow, what has God done? What has God done? And I wonder, what might God do? What might he do in the years to come? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you've spoken to us so clearly from your word, from this passage in James. And we thank you that, Lord, way back in 2015, you spoke to us about working with a local council as a church in the areas of fostering and adoption. And God, so much has happened in that time that we could not have imagined, yet you knew. And you wanted to encourage us to pursue it. So Father, I want to pray into the rest of that prophetic word. I pray, God, that we would draw people from the highways and the byways. I pray, God, that we would be a church that is big in compassion ministries. Not that we might be big about anything, but you might be glorified and many people might be served. And so we thank you for what you've said to us. We thank you for how you've encouraged us so far. And pray now, in the next part of the journey, you would continue to encourage and bless us as we seek to be obedient to you. Help us to be obedient to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Come along on any Sunday morning.